Good morning, afternoon or evening everybody and welcome to Pangolin, the conservation podcast. The show dedicated to exploring and amplifying the world's underappreciated conservation stories. The stories that inspire me and I hope will inspire you too. I'm your host Jack Baker and thank you for joining me for this, the Pangolin Holiday Spectacular. (laughs) This week we are celebrating the festive season with three fabulous guests. I am joined by Ellen from Just the Zoo of Us, Vikram from Planthropology and Ashley from Get Out Alive to take a look back on some of our favourite conservation success stories of 2022 and get ourselves all excited for 2023 with some New Year's resolutions. Plus, we also have plenty of festive laughs along the way, so please brace yourself because we are coming at you with festive raccoons, magical crows, dung beetles, an animal unseen for hundreds of years, and the biggest living organism on Earth. So, strap yourselves in for the most hilarious sleigh ride of your life, and without further ado, let's get festive. And welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to be reveling in the magic of the holiday season with not one, not two, but three wildlife podcasting legends. That's right, the council has assembled, the fans of United, the world of nature podcasting is at peace, and we are going to have a fantastic, festive, conservation-y, animal-y, planty, amazing time. Um, so, joining us today... Representing just the zoo of us, we have Ellen. Hello, Ellen. Hello, Jack and friends. <laughs> I've spoken to that. all of you before. Jack and you other two. <laughs> <laughs> you other two mystery guests. Uh, I won't spoil up, anything. You can't. Can't. Not even this early on. Even though we're about to meet them. No spoilers. <laughs> next up, representing Planthropology, we have the lovely Vikram. Thank you very much for joining me, Vikram. Hello. I tried to look lovely today. <laughs> it's just a shame the visitors the visitors the I've been at a zoo all day this is my brain is gone already and we've not even started the listeners can't appreciate that effort that you've put in he's for everyone not listening he's in full suit and tie hair done makeup fully mm-hmm. assembled mm-hmm. it's yeah Base I'm fab I'm fabulous <laughs> <laughs> and trying to top that of course last but not least in an even more grand ball gown an even bigger Christmassy festive ensemble um we have joining us making her pangolin the conservation podcast debut uh we have the host of get out alive the lovely Ashley thank you for joining me today Ashley thanks for having me also I did put on a Christmas themed sweater. There's a narwhal on it because conservation. Does it say bye buddy? Hope you find your dad. Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank 10 out of 10 for effort. I like was really like I I was so close to putting a Christmas jumper on because I have one that's like a bear, a polar bear and it says have a berry Merry Christmas. And I should have I, I chickened out the last minute and I should have done it. I should have. I'm in Florida, so it won't be cold enough for a sweater uh, ever. So unfortunately, <laughs> I'm disqualified. Can you, can you even can you even buy those in Florida? Do they sell sweaters in Florida? <laughs> it's just like a T-shirt with long sleeves. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I, although it could be a good strategy for like Christmas dinner, big Thanksgiving meals, whatever it is around the season you're eating. If you're constantly sweating, the rate you're eating, the calories you're sweating out because you're wearing a sweater. Yeah, could it's be a, a good move. It's a perpetual huh. sort of motion. <laughs> yeah. You're in a cycle. Yeah, yeah. It's actually the healthiest possible <laughs> option. Is <laughs> yeah. We're talking about so much nature. Uh, by the way, I uh, am wearing my Get Out Alive T-shirt. Woo! So kind. Uh, and you should go check out. Ashley's podcast and merch. And Thanks, Big Room. Oh, oh yes. this is so kind. 
And nobody else's. <laughs> no, I don't care about the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this season of goodwill to all men, but specifically, Ashley, specifically. Um, <laughs> no, thank you so much for joining us. I am already... I can tell we're going to be off the rails a lot this episode, but we do have a lovely episode planned for you listeners. Um, We are kind of celebrating the holidays, celebrating all of the good conservation stories that have happened in 2022. We're going to look forward to 2023. And yeah, we're just going to have a really good festive holiday time. Um, But before we do all that, I thought we'd do a little round of introductions because I thought some people might have listened to some podcasts, some people might have listened to other podcasts, um, but might not have listened to them all. So I thought what we'd do is we'd go around the group. Everyone can have a little introduction to them themselves. You can tell the listeners who you are, a little bit about your show. Um, and yeah, maybe what your favorite like nature moment you had in 2022 was. Was there a moment that you were like, yes, this is why I love nature or plants or animals or whatever it is. I feel like that's a good hopefully brief intro but i'm already sure. seeing the wheels turning behind ellen's eyes and so i'm gonna go to ellen first so amazing she doesn't have time to think of a long too long of an answer <laughs> oh no <laughs> you know what i'm about <laughs> so ellen introduce yourself to listeners tell us a little bit about yourself yeah absolutely uh my name is ellen weatherford i am the uh one of the hosts of just the zoo of us which is a family friendly in animal review podcast over on uh the max fun network and I'm from Florida. Uh, not too much incredibly interesting about me personally, though I think my uh, podcast is probably the most interesting thing about me. Um, <laughs> and in 2022, we had the absolute pleasure of going to Monterey Bay, California. And mm-hmm. we definitely, it was an extremely nature-centric trip. So like mm-hmm. every day we did something else nature So the first day we went to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, uh, then we went like tide pooling and went up to the cliffs in Point Lobos. We went up in like a redwood forest and and uh, the Pinnacles National Park. But I think the coolest thing, na- the coolest nature moment we had the whole trip was definitely my first time whale watching. Um, I'd never been whale watching before. We went out on a boat in the bay and we saw humpback whales and they were full breaching all the way out of the water. They were jumping and spinning and crashing down in the water right next to us. It was amazing. That was my nature highlight of 2022. That's a pretty good one. So Ashley, Vikram, up your game. Um, good luck. You've got- <laughs> <laughs> if she, if she wins. I mean, one of you is going to be like, I saw a blue whale. <laughs> I, I have never gone outside in years. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a that's a good strong strong start. Like and I am jealous in equal parts of the whale but also the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Oh, it was amazing. It was the, the reason for the trip. We went on this mm. trip because we wanted to go there because they have a deep sea exhibit open right now with a mm. giant isopod touch tank. And that was really the sort of pull was to go and mm. we did it and I did touch the isopod and that was great. It was everything and- I wanted it to be. And if you could describe the the feel of an isopod in like um, one word, how would you describe it? Uh, chitinous. And does anyone else know what that word means? <laughs> I have no idea. Like maybe your naily. See, you get it, Ashley. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expecting you to say wet, so mm. I was really thrown by chitinous. But yes, I love this. Every time, every single time I record with Ellen, I learn a new word, which yeah. is fantastic and love it. Love well, it. Well, we speak different uh, dialects of English, so we're always like trading. <laughs> you speak Scottish really English, so and I speak Southern yeah. English. So, yeah, it's it's completely different languages, really. <laughs> completely. The number of times when I went to the states this year, and somebody looked at me like. Well, I was like, oh, no, that's a, that's a very Scottish thing. That's a, that's a <laughs> yep, we're going to have to rephrase that. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Um, okay, before we get too drawn into isopods, I'm, I, I can see us going off track already. We're going to, my job today is to try and keep this fun, party, happy train on track, which. Good luck. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, so next, why don't we go to vikram since you are another familiar friend um to the listeners maybe why don't you uh go next tell us who you are a little bit about the show your highlight of 2022 uh yeah i do not know what kindness means um 
That's okay. Uh, so yeah, I, my name is Vikram Baliga. I am a lecturer of horticulture. I run a greenhouse, like a teaching greenhouse and horticultural garden at Texas Tech University. So I teach a bunch of kids that may or may not want to be there about kids. They're 18, but you know, they're, <laughs> I'm 35 now and they're like, I was born in 2005. And I'm like, you leave my classroom. You get out now. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Um, <clears throat> no, so I, I am a horticulturist. My PhD is in uh, horticulture, but I studied water conservation and um, urban agriculture, a few other things. Um, I'm the host of the Planthropology podcast where I either talk about stuff that I just think is interesting because it's my podcast and I do what I want, <laughs> or I interview what interesting nature plant, sort of green space, green industry people. Um, I've had the opportunity to talk to people all over the world, some really, really cool folks. And, you know, we have topics from uh, Pokemon when uh, Ellen was on last time to uh, international uh, trade and um, politics and stuff. And, and so uh, it, it's, it's a really cool show. I think I know I'm biased, but I really have enjoyed doing it. I'm going on, or I just passed my third anniversary of doing the show. Mm. And uh, I also co-host uh, a show with our local PBS affiliate um, that runs on uh, NPR here and in a couple of other places called in the grow uh, where my co-host and I talk about, gardening tips uh how to grow food and how to grow plants on a budget um and then we just goof off for 20 minutes you know <laughs> i love that i love that um and of course your favorite moment of 2022 yeah so i did almost nothing for most of the year uh <laughs> i went to work and it was hot and dry uh i think it was we had 70 days over 100 degrees here this year and we got no rain from last october pretty much until like August. So it was dry and hot and terrible. And I would have cried a bunch, but I needed the moisture. Um, and so my actually my wildlife or nature experience was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was doing a this is OK. I know how this is going to sound. So take this for what it is. I was doing a photo shoot for a magazine um, <gasps> that I'm going to be in here in a few months. Uh, and we went out to a national wildlife preserve um, and it is sandhill crane season. So all the oh. sandhill canes were, cranes were coming through and we found this uh, part of the preserve. Like we were doing a, a Milky Way photography shoot and uh we got out there like right before sunset and all the sandhill cranes were just coming in for the night. And so we were kind of in an area where there was a little lake and some salt flats and there was not a breath of wind. It was very cold, but you could hear, you know, thousands of sandhill cranes like from, you know, hundreds of meters away. And wow. it was just one of the coolest things. That's I mean, that's pretty outstanding. And I, I mean, the sandhill cranes for one part are outstanding. But the magazine is really what I'm stuck on, and I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Are we just going to gloss over that? We have to well, dwell I, here I, for I, a moment. Like, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about it, but it's like it's for my university, and they do a quarterly um, uh, sort of magazine highlighting people from around the university and the community and uh, people in different fields of you know that we study and research. And um I don't actually know what I'm allowed to say. They're they're doing a piece on people with interesting hobbies, and uh, so I I do some astrophotography and uh, some Milky Way photography, and so they were like, oh that that feels interesting, and so uh, we went out and took pictures in the middle of the night, and it was fun. Were they taking pictures of you taking pictures of? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's pictures all the way down. It's like you know when there's like two mirrors and it's just like, <laughs> pictures that go on forever. Oh, I I love that. I love that so much because I feel like that is my goal is just to have stupidly high quality photos of myself doing things. Just that I can like have like I just want to have even I might print a fake magazine just that I can put on the wall and be like oh yeah this is the time I, I was in a magazine this is uh this thing even if it's just me like setting a self-timer and running across the room and be like yeah um <laughs> no that's that's fantastic and I feel like yeah I I thought you were gonna say podcasting was like your interesting yeah hobby. me too yeah no that's not... his career <laughs> <laughs> it's a little uh, above hobby status by now don't you think 
Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe. maybe. <laughs> Does that mean I have to be good at it? Because we're not, I mean... Uh, no. <laughs> As the listeners will establish by the end of what will probably be a four-hour episode here, no, we don't have to be good at this to do it. We can just do it and talk, and it's fine. Pure vibes. Uh, yeah, that's that's all we're here for is the vibes. Um, and <laughs> last but not least, to come into the vibes and introduce themselves, um, our new friend, someone who has never been on the show before, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us for the first time. You can probably yeah. introduce yourself slightly more than the other two did, because I feel like you're an entirely new person to my listeners. So, yeah, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and your your top 2022 moment. Okay, first of all, I feel like it's hard to follow up on whales in a magazine shoot, but I will do my best. <laughs> um, I'm Ashley Bray, and I host the Get Out Alive podcast. I do feel like a black sheep here because... It's not nearly as wholesome as the three other podcasts here. You're the you're the edgy. You know how like every boy band yeah. has like an edgy like you scene. Know, yeah, like you're the you're yeah. the edgy boy band member. Yeah, Ellen I'll is Lance Bass. Ellen is Lance Bass. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, Ellen. But <laughs> it's a podcast about animal attacks, why they happen, and how we can avoid them if possible. And so I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Vermont in wildlife biology. And then I'm currently getting my master's in, it's a mouthful, wildlife forensic sciences and conservation from the University of Florida. Although I'm not physically in Florida, sadly for Ellen, because otherwise we'd be touching manatees all the time. Could have been. But could have been something. You could be down here in the swamp with me, baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Instead, I'm in the Northeast and it's very cold. So But anyways, a lot of my professional wildlife work has been with wildlife conflict with humans. So this podcast I made mostly out of frustration with people because people would constantly just call and say, can you get rid of this black bear or can I kill this black bear? Just for example, there's plenty of other animal issues, but black bears were the one that really stuck with me. And it just got so frustrating for me because I was like, it's not that they're gonna, I mean, they could kill you, but they won't. And let's be honest and talk about why. So that's kind of what the podcast is. Just having like frank conversations about animals that could kill you, why they probably won't kill you, why they might kill you. (laughs) And a lot of it really goes to talking about conservation. So obviously habitat loss and fragmentation drives a lot of conflicts between wildlife and people. So we get into that, especially when we have other biologists on who study like a certain species, they can give us more insight as to why conflict is happening. So conservation does come up a whole bunch. That was mouthful. My favorite 2022 wildlife interaction. I'm stuck between two. They're not exciting comparatively to everybody else's so far. But the first one I found a, I was driving and there was on the side of the road, a wood turtle which is endangered in New Hampshire. So I whipped my car around, helped (laughs) that little guy cross the road. He was going, I helped him cross in the direction he was crossing. That's important. Otherwise I would have let him go if he was already on the side he wanted to be on. But, Mm -hmm. and then the second one, I would say I was at my family's hunting cabin in like super Northern Maine. And I saw my first snowshoe hare and it ran, truly ran up to my foot. And I was like, "Ah!" and then it, left and i didn't see it again but i was like that was really stupid of you but it was a wonderful moment disney princess moment it, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that i love i love those moments where you're like this is happening so fast there's no way i can capture this i'm just gonna have to enjoy it in this second and then it's over yep. and it's gone and now people are just yep. gonna have to believe that it happened and I, exactly like, that was just for you that was a special treat yeah. just for you just me <laughs> and the hair yeah. i love that i love that so much there's Thanks. some good moments i guess like yeah, oh, I have so many questions. This is the, I feel like Ashley, you're gonna have to come back on another normal show, and we can have a long <laughs> conversation because I've had the long conversation with the other two. Yeah, I have many follow up questions. I do Sounds like. Good. Oh, there's of all of the podcasts present today, the one that I enjoy listening to most on my morning commutes because I feel oh, no. like such like a badass is when I have yours in and I'm like listening to like all of these like stories that usually I'm like. Oh my god, this is gonna make me vomit. But like I'm Move like, aside, this is guys. so cool. <laughs> this is so cool. Like it makes me feel I'm, genuinely. I'm leaving. Like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> the group has left the chat. <laughs> lovely. 
but more wholesome vibes. Yours is more like fun, like light and like yeah. for the morning commute when I'm tired and need some serious, like gritty, like realism to like get me into the day. It's Ashley's. hype. It's hype. Yeah, it's good. It is good. Thanks, guys. Oh, I love it. When love I'm it, sad at work, I truly listen to all three of you. Sometimes <laughs> the combination of the three of you, and it's mm. uh, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and I can give the other two compliments as well, of course, because Ellen, you featured <laughs> no, on my top fine. five. No, I, I don't. I don't want any. <laughs> well, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Ellen, you were in my top five most streamed podcast on Spotify this year. Yay! Of course, I think you came in at number three. Fun. Okay, um, so and then, close. So close. Next year. Next year, number one. Um, and then Vikram, I feel like I love your show and I love it so much that I recommended it to when I was sat on a lunch break once at the Royal Botanic Garden, Edinburgh, where I'm doing my PhD currently. I sat there and the head of the garden, the Regis Keeper, who is appointed by the monarch of the United Kingdom. So he is like in a big role, came and sat next to me for just a chat. And I was like, I'm on this show and I've listened to this show like a lot and you should listen to it. So like, I've, I feel like I've been, I wouldn't have done that if I didn't love it and vouch for it fully. So yeah, you know, I love all shows equally. Um, That's cool. Yeah. That's that's fine, I guess. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever, Jack. (laughs) No, that's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah. I I mean, I only told him to listen to my episode, none of the rest of them, but you know, (laughs) Uh, no, that's fantastic. I guess because we have, all of these groups uniting. Hopefully we'll have some crossover of different people from different places. Um, I'll introduce myself and give my moment, I suppose, in case there is anybody new. Um, my name is Jack. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm the host of Pangolin, the conservation podcast. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is celebrate underappreciated conservation stories, the weird and wonderful things that people don't talk about enough, but should. Um, And we started off talking about the pangolin, and then we developed into all sorts of other things with stuff like reframing the story of the giraffe and the silent extinction of that. So we talk about popular things, all the way down to weird, wonderful little things like the Lake Titicaca frog was featured heavily this year um, by a couple of guests, brought it up randomly, um, and all sorts of other weird, wonderful things like that um and so yeah uh that's me which weird to introduce myself on my own show um and my favorite moment my favorite nature moment of 2022 I should have thought about this before I asked you all it I should have been thinking I guess the moments where I like loved the most were like the moments where I was I had a couple moments where I guess probably everybody here has had them where you're like completely alone in nature and it's completely quiet and you can just hear like the sounds or the lack of sounds of nature um so like in january me and my family went to a cabin in the highlands in scotland and it was kind of like one of those moments where it was complete peace and serenity at the top of a hill the start of this new year it felt super refreshing and like ready to go and like you could see locks and everything for what felt like hundreds of miles because it was a perfectly clear beautiful day so i had one there and then like in Tucson, when I was lucky enough to come to the US, um, I was kind of climbing a like hiking trail at sunset, which was so magical, like looking out and seeing like just the the orange, like deserty sun going behind hills and like seeing the like outlines of all the saguaros and like all of the different like little creatures. Um, and it, it rained that day, which obviously in Big Arizona... <laughs> big moment like all of the all of the people who were from like around the area were like this is confusing why is this happening and i was out there like spinning like (laughs) unwritten by natalie and brulia playing in my head like (laughs) because after you were literally feeling the rain on your skin i was after like a week and a half of like 35 degree in uk terms degrees celsius so like i think probably for you not hot not hot but for me like I was like this is the the hottest I've been having that moment of like yes it was just like the most magical and it turned the hiking trail suddenly green like over the space of like time and like all of these little frogs and stuff that you'd never expect to see pop out of when everything is so dry amphibians in your mind are like where where have you been hiding but all of that (laughs) happened and it was just yeah that was my my probably my top moments of 2022 um yeah so it was it's a good time it's been a like in terms of like personal things I feel like I've had a a good a good 2022 I'm very grateful for all of the things I'm very grateful for all of you for being here and it sounds like you all had reasonably exciting years too which is good uh <laughs> but to get us into the festive spirit 
turn the conversation away from looking back and celebrating now the moment of Christmassy goodness that we're in now, I wanted to kind of surprise you with a question. And my surprise Christmassy themed question for you all today is if so at Christmas time, we have all sorts of t- traditions that bring in things like mistletoe and reindeer and all sorts of wildlife comes into our home. People bring like penguin light up things and all sorts of stuff in your narwhal example, Ashley, perfect <laughs> from earlier. If you could bring one animal or plant or some kind of nature related thing into a holiday tradition what would it be and why and how so to let you think i thought about this yesterday and my favorite thing about the holiday times is all of the christmas lights and i love the standard christmas lights i love seeing like the like light up reindeer that people put on their lawns and things but I think we should celebrate more snowy creatures, like creatures from like tundra areas. And I would like for them to sell more Amur Tiger and Amur Leopard lighting merchandise. Mm. Because I think having a light up deer, yes, but that being stalked by some kind of light. light like just up, slightly in the background. Yes. This bright <laughs> orange tiger or like this beautiful like golden Amur Leopard in the background, I think would bring a new level of joy to my holiday 2020 to 2023 going forward i don't know so if you could bring another plant or animal in to the holiday traditions what would you bring and what would you do does anyone have an answer i've got one okay because i my thinking is uh christmas for us and our family is full of lots of little shiny things right mm-hmm. you've got your little lights on the string um maybe if you're the type of person that puts like toys in a stocking right there could be little trinkets in there um you know i'm i'm associating a lot of like little you know bringing you gifts of little shiny things what animal is better at bringing you gifts of little shiny things than the american crow the crow, baby. It's all crows from now on. We're yes. done. Reindeers are over. It's all crows. They are always bringing you little tiny, shiny gifts. And I feel like that is like a very, uh, very Santa adjacent animal, even though they haven't been depicted like that. Um, mm-hmm. that that's my thought. American crow. I love that. I also love how my brain went instantly when you said that was not crow, but I had a thought of what if you had like a little dung beetle pushing bobbles? Okay. Oh, that's, that's another cute. idea, right? They're bringing you a little shiny thing. Yeah. I'm- oh, you know what? In in Animal Crossing New Horizons, um, in mm. like the winter time when everything is snowy, the dung yes. beetles in the game push the snow into snowballs, which is really yes. cute. Oh. Yes. I love that because, and I didn't know it because despite, I think in 2019, me dedicating what my Switch tells me, I think about 300 hours of my life to that game. I never mm-hmm. got to Christmas. I like my body clearly burnt out after 300 hours at about September time. So I never got, I love that. I well, love I that started so time much. traveling to get mm. to like the different oh. seasonal stuff. So I, I did a lot of that. Controversial. I know controversial. I'm a cheater. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it again. I don't care. <laughs> for you it's we're celebrating christmas like 2027 that's where we're at oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, right anyone else any other new nature things to bring into christmas yes. Ashley? i think alternatively from ellen's idea i would like to bring raccoons in but oh, i would yeah. like to bring raccoons in similar to elf on the shelf where they steal things and mess up your christmas decorations I, I love that. Love they got it. little hands mm-hmm. for messing stuff up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they've got like the built-in little burglar masks and like Yes. Yes. Yep. Nailed it. Very mischievous. Yeah. Oh, That's it. You I could love like it. Get them you a could little... do that thing where you like instead of leaving an actual physical like doll in the position, you could leave little like paw prints. Like do like little stamps of paw <gasps> prints adorable. around. Mm-hmm. I thought you were gonna say real raccoons. Instead of the fake <laughs> thing, just a real raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. He gets just a bunch of raccoons. Here's rabies and raccoon roundworm. Enjoy. That's for the kids on the naughty list. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's yeah. raccoon poop instead of coal. You just pick up your stalking and it's warm. Just, like, oh, it's just full nice. of raccoons. 
Is, is that Santa coming down the chimney? No, it's raccoons. Run. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Everyone thought that he had a big, fluffy white beard. That was just his mouth foaming from rabies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is more than I ever could have imagined from asking this question. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, that was good. Uh, fantastic. Fantastic. And Vikram, do you have one that could possibly top rabies covered raccoons? <laughs> oh. Well, staying on the uh, theme of rabid Santa, um, <laughs> I think we should have more Christmas mushrooms Ooh, uh, because a lot of our early like Christmas traditions, the Norse traditions that transformed into Santa Claus and the red and white and all of that comes from the uh, Amanita uh, muscaria mushroom, the fly agaric. Uh, they used them, uh, the Druids and the Celts would use them in a lot of um, sort of winter rituals. And um, I'm trying to figure, this is this is a uh, wholesome show, so I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Um, you can't, like, you're not really supposed to eat them because they'll make you dead uh, if you're not careful. Uh, but reindeer can eat them. So uh, they would f- <laughs> uh, they would filter the mushrooms through a reindeer and then uh, consume the mushrooms after they had been filtered through a reindeer. Post-processing. Uh, post-processing, right? Like it's, like, it's like a Brita filter, except it's a reindeer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, then they would um, be extra jolly for Christmas. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of, you know, um, rituals that they would go through. And, but that actually transcends, transitioned into... Uh, maybe why Santa would have rosy cheeks and uh, why he would be able to travel so quickly. And a lot of the um, feelings of joy and stuff like that came with some of these rituals. And so I think we should have more Christmas mushrooms. Yes, absolutely. Maybe not to eat, but maybe to decorate with. Okay. How do you grow those mushrooms though? Uh, They actually just kind of do it themselves. They grow on tree roots and out in the woods and and in a lot of places you can find them. Uh, They actually have a pretty big, distribution but europe they're, they're all over europe um but i think you can find them in the northeast and and oh. in uh, the pacific northwest and a lot of other places i've seen yes. boxes you can grow them in too like you can get a little box oh. that's like um got i don't know spores i guess of of them in there and you they you just kind of grow them it's like a little pet a pet evil mushroom (laughs) just do not let the raccoons anywhere near the mushrooms (laughs) disaster oh no i love that i love it these are some top quality answers because not only did we have an informative like actually educational one from vikram we had hilarity and amazing great i I love this that's what we're all about babe yeah Oh, and I'm now thinking, like, is it too late for me to somehow find a raccoon? Is it too, like, where can I grow mushrooms in my house? It's never too late. Never. No. never. December 10th. Well, you know, this time of year, places are so busy. It's like the raccoons are like on back order right now. Oh, and no. There's like logistics problems where, you know, we're short truckers. Who's getting the raccoons from A to B? It's a problem. Oh, it's just, and I'm like, I'm in the UK, so I have to factor in international shipping. Like, this is a serious problem. You might be able to get it on Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime might have them. (laughs) There's a Prime delivery center just near from my house. I'll go up and knock and see if they have some. Do you have any raccoons? (laughs) (laughs) But sir, please leave. You've asked us this six days in a row now. We can't help you. Go home. I followed the star and it brought me here. Do you have a raccoon? <laughs> like, are you okay, sir? Oh, well, I did eat some s- strange mushrooms, but my friend told me to, and now I'm here for the raccoons. <laughs> yeah, disclaimer don't eat the mushrooms, <laughs> don't eat the raccoons, don't eat the crows. No, I, yeah, I started off, I was like, there may be suggest a fun Christmas light. Oh, how wrong I was. And um, you turned it. <laughs> you can't, no, you can't trust that. us. No, no. And I, I, I do love it though. I love it. I love it, love it. And it has made, it's added extra joy to my Christmas. I'm so glad. Um, But before we, that was kind of your warm up. And I feel like we didn't need warmed up because that exceeded all expectations. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Before we got into the real kind of topic that we invited you, I invited you all here to kind of discuss, um, which was kind of a look back on conservation in 2022 and some of our favorite conservation success stories. So, Everybody has gone round and kind of 
had a look, had a think. Um, for the listeners, nobody knows each other's story. I know them all because I had to put people in order. Um, but nobody, no one else knows the mysteries that await them. Um, so we're going to go around. We're going to each talk about our favourite conservation story of the year, our favourite conservation success. And then at the end of that, I'm going to quick fire through some more conservation stories that were submitted by listeners because um, I put some stuff out on social media because I thought it's festive. Let's invite the whole the whole family in. Um, and so, yeah, we've got some quick fire ones a little later on. But the main topics, um, I decided that, Ashley, you would be going first um to tell sorry oh. if i'm having a oh, crisis no. right now there's a chickadee trying to actively get into my window as we're recording this <laughs> that's my new that is my new favorite moment of 2022 have we talked about how ashley's a disney princess because <laughs> this is our surprise oh. special guest a chickadee <laughs> a chickadee oh. yeah it, what, is it like what is it just at the window like what is happening <laughs> Yeah, I just, um, as you were speaking, I looked over and it was just like knock knocking on my window. He was I... mad that you didn't say <laughs> that he should be included in the Christmas tradition. Yeah, it was like, screw crows. Like those guys. Sorry, Jack. Anyways. No, I love that because f- four times the guests, four times the chaos that ensues because of them. I, I love it. Um, no, what I was saying was you are going first. So you have to put all distractions aside and you're going <gasps> to tell us about your favorite conservation success story of the last year which i guess i could introduce it but i feel like you'll do a better job so i'm just gonna hand straight on over to you ashley tell us a little bit about your favorite conservation story yes uh first of all i will say my face hurts from smiling so hard already so i'm gonna try to power (laughs) through this but we're going back to late september of this year 2022 a team of Mm -hmm. eight researchers won ferguson island a small island off of papua new guinea And this team of researchers consisted of members from All About Birds, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, the Papua New Guinea National Museum, and locals from the island. Mm -hmm. So clearly, spoilers about birds. (laughs) And they were searching for a single bird species that had not been scientifically documented in over 140 years. And they were using camera traps, but they were also just like walking around through the jungle looking for the bird and only Mm -hmm. had hours of searching left before they had to leave the island and just two days before the end of their expedition overall. So one of the expedition's co-leaders, Jordan Borsoma, who's also a postdoc researcher at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, was hiking through the jungle and then sat down on a hillside he had just traversed, exhausted, and took a minute to look through some of the camera trap images that they had. And he said, quote, suddenly I was confronted with this image of what at the time felt like a mythical creature. And it was without exaggeration, the most surreal moment of my life, because on that small screen was a very clear video of the black naped pheasant pigeon, which is a species that has not been documented by scientists since it was first described in 1882 and had never been caught on film before and had never had a picture taken of it. So... For a little more background about the bird, its scientific name, according to the IUCN Red List, is <laughs> Odo. <laughs> yeah, we all know this struggle. Oda Tida. Nope. Oof. Otidipaps insularis, which is funny because the genus sounds like the sound or the word perhaps. Like perhaps it's still alive. <laughs> but. <laughs> It's a large ground-dwelling bird that has yellow legs, an orange or red bill, a black head, and a chestnut slash orangey color on its back. And it also has a beautiful band of like purple and green above its tail. And overall, it's just very pretty. Highly encourage you to look up the video of it. And I said that it was lost to science 140 years ago, but of course, it was not nearly as much lost to locals who lived there. This expedition would not have been successful at all had it not been for local hunters that knew the forest very well and who over the years had seen it a few times. So they knew exactly where to go. So now that scientists have gotten documentation of the black-naped pheasant pigeon, it is now the most endangered bird in New Guinea. And unfortunately, there is a very urgent need to protect their habitat because Ferguson Island is only 555 square miles and it's mostly undeveloped. But the landowner of the forest had just signed a deal with a logging company, which would, of course, threaten this bird's existence even more. So the team that led this expedition is seeking funding for another trip to the island to try to get an estimate on exactly how many birds are left. That is my story. I love that. I really love it because, like, it brings in things that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Because, like, I've just started my PhD and it's thinking about 
botanic gardens and their impact and their impact not just in the UK where they're based but also in the places they work and so I've been thinking a lot about like well who discovers things in air quotes there like who discovers things and what knowledge has been like perpetuated over time and what like what we consider to be known and like it's so exciting when we have proof that oh actually if we just listened to people and didn't just Mm -hmm. and we classified things as science slightly differently there's all these things out there that like are going unknown and undocumented because yeah certain egos perhaps wouldn't like to admit Mm -hmm. things so that (laughs) is really fascinating and like another reason my favorite bird is the victoria crowned pigeon so i i always have like a a soft spot for a a wacky looking pigeon um, <laughs> it is. and I love the video and I would recommend everybody go and look it up because it just kind of like saunters across the camera like oh yeah I'm here here I am look at me the first in 140 <laughs> years <laughs> this is <Yeah>. my moment <laughs> yeah truly and, oh, it's just fantastic and like love it love it love it like I was looking up I a didn't... picture while Ashley was talking this is a gorgeous mm-hmm. bird it's right. really pretty to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where it's like subtly, be- like it's it doesn't do too much. It knows mm-hmm. exactly what it's doing and it does it to right, just the right level. Efficiency. Like, no, no, I love that. And like, why did that like appeal to you, I suppose, as you're like, when you were looking back, why was that the one where you're like, oh, I love this? I am such a sucker for animals that we thought were extinct and they're like, ha, ah, no, we're not. And <laughs> it's... There's one biologist who I listen to somewhat frequently, and he has some pretty good books, but his name's Forrest Galante, and he had a show on Animal Planet called Extinct or Alive, and his entire career is based on finding animals that people, like science says, are extinct, but they're not. Like, if there was a leopard, oh God, I'm not going to remember the island it was on, but it was essentially called extinct on this island, and he went and found proof of this leopard. So I'm such a sucker for those stories because it's like, yeah, science, whatever science means, like says that things are extinct. But if you just listen to locals, they're like, actually, no, it's just we've not had someone here to take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I feel that's that. really, that's really awesome. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Did anyone, Ellen, Vikram, do you have anything? Did you have anything you want to come in on? Questions, thoughts, um, feelings? Un- unrelated comment of question about pigeons. <laughs> Uh, oh no. If, oh if, no. If I catch no. one of the s- <laughs> I'm going to ask the question anyway, Ellen. I know you I know you know what I'm going to ask. Uh if <laughs> if I catch one of the giant stupid campus pi- pigeons, what do I do with it? Do I just release oh. it? Can I can I put That's it on a leash? I ask. Oh. Uh mm. what do can, they taste okay, like? Okay, can I don't you know. physically I mean, sure. Oh, they're they're real slow and dumb. <laughs> I also am slow and dumb, but I think I'm somewhat less than a pigeon. So you think maybe I... by your powers combined, you could perhaps complement each other and It'd be one functioning organism. <laughs> I need to tell you a story um, about someone I saw this year, and it was the greatest moment of. Well, this could be my new favorite nature moment. I was changing trains at a station I'd never been to before. I just hopped off one. I was standing on the platform waiting for another train that was coming to take me home and on the other platform on the the other side of like the tracks there was all this commotion all of a sudden like there's this woman running like grabbing things off the ground and I was like what what is she doing like what is like what is happening she was grabbing pigeons and then she hopped on a train and was gone (laughs) and then all of the staff from the train station came running down the platform to talk to the staff members who were stood next to me so they were like shouting across the tracks like that woman just took, like, she just stole pigeons. Like, she just grabbed them. She's gone. Can she do and that? Then, <laughs> yeah, she just took, like, well, she did. <laughs> she did it. And then later, I got home and I was texting one of my friends about it. Like, this is crazy. Like, I don't know. And I happened to go onto Twitter and there was a picture of the woman on the train covered in <laughs> pigeons. And I was like, there's proof. There's proof. Local celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, that's so amazing. So, yeah, oh, that God. might be my top moment. So, yes, you can capture pigeons. Um, I don't know why you would want too okay uh, the but... cynical part of me is like she's using them for bait or food for something because <laughs> i'm a sucker for falconry and my mind went to she's using them as bait for her bird oh that's falconry, <laughs> that's possible which would be cool it's probably a less cool reality maybe she just is lonely <laughs> and wanted pigeons. free pigeons where could yes. she possibly live that she wouldn't have her own pigeons just like around yeah where could you possibly be (laughs) that you don't have pigeons at home (laughs) 
In the festive spirit, she is the pigeon woman from Home Alone 2, who's yes. just like feeding the. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, just when like, you're driving home and your mom your says, No, we've got pigeons at home. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not Ashley's cool pigeon, they're the stupid campus pigeons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but back to Vikram, why do you specifically want a pigeon? Oh, I don't. I just, I just, (laughs) this is, these are the things I like think about when I'm walking to class. I'm Mm -hmm. like, there's a pigeon out there. I'm like, I could catch this. I'm, Mm -hmm. I am confident I could catch this, but then I don't know what I would do. It's like when my dog chases squirrels and stuff around the backyard. I'm like, if she caught a squirrel, she would have no idea what to do with herself. Oh, no. There's a Joker quote about this. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. 2023 is looking good for Um, (laughs) victim. I'm sorry. This Ashley, is Vikram's such Joker a cool... origin story. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with Catching pigeons. Catching pigeons is funny, and I'm tired of pretending like it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ashley. You told such a cool no. nature conservation story, and I'm the resident idiot. So I thought, I was like, well, I could catch one. The court jester. No, I, I really thought you were going to be like, okay, are pigeons government drones? And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to have this conversation again. <laughs> so that was nice. Uh, one of my friends, Steph, earlier this year, while on my podcast, had a, I was like, so what's your favorite moment? She went, and that like, sometimes I wonder when I'm watching the pigeons, what if I'm the only one who sees them? Huh. I was like, what? Oh, like, that is, oh, that I is don't like that. an existential crisis I didn't yeah. need. I'm in too deep. Pull me out. Pull me yeah. out. Yeah, all of your students next time you're in class, if they've listened to this, will be like, "You were talking what campus pigeons? Like, yeah, what? yeah I've what never seen a pigeon. There are no birds anywhere on campus. You need to edit in the X Files theme. Oh <laughs> uh, no! But back to the main point. That is a beautiful, incredible story, and it's actually one somebody. I'm going to flick through my papers and skip forward. One of like I, when I reached out on social media, somebody, yes, Eric. I don't know if I can give second names because I don't want to give away people's identities in case that's they're hiding for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Eric suggested that as a story. So when you were you'd already sent me your link, I was like, yes, we've covered it. That's perfect. Like, wait, so, so Eric fantastic. beat me to it? Yeah. Well, no, you beat him to it, and then he oh, replied it. So yeah, you were. Don't worry, don't worry. Um, gotcha. And Eric, that was that one's dedicated to you, no matter where you are. Um, I'll know if you've listened because if <laughs> you can reply to something, being like, "Oh, you touched the pigeon." Um, so no, that's that's fantastic. Like, yeah, I, I love that. A good, excellent, good news story to to kind of good us news. Off. Oh, classic well, me. Like yeah. good news, but also it's not great. <laughs> yeah. At the end. Is there any update? Do you know? Is there like update? Because obviously there was the logging scenario. Is there any update on that, or is that one to watch for next year? I would say it's one to watch. I would hope that whoever owns that forest would be like, well, now we got this one bird mm-hmm. of this one species documented hundreds of years ago. We can't log this, but people suck. So we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep our eye on it. We'll hope. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll keep everything crossed. Christmas magic and wishes and everything towards that one. Um, for good, positive news, maybe next year we can reconvene and you'll have an even better update for t- going into 2024 to be like, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that's no, that's good. And it's exciting. Just I always think that when the world gets slightly more diverse and like different and just like something weird we didn't know about before, like that's the whole reason I do this show is to talk to people about weird, wonderful things that haven't existed and didn't we didn't know about and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I love that. I love that. Love that. Love that. Now, we're going to shift, though. We're going to move on slightly. Next up, we have Vikram and you are switching us from the world of birds to the world of plants, I believe, but maybe not plants people would think of classically because right. you're talking about not on land plants for a Friday. So, oh boy. for sure. I know. So, Space take plants. it away. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, for, first, for, <laughs> first That's off, a way bigger Ashley, story. I would be way yeah, more no, surprised if I hadn't heard They're that. everywhere. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Ashley, if you make t shirts that have a picture of a pigeon on them and mm-hmm. that's that, or that pigeon on it and say, well, people suck, so we'll find out. <laughs> I will buy that shirt 100% and I will wear it I'll make it, it just day. for you. Yeah, no, it'd be awesome. Um, okay, so I want to, I, I'm going to start off by talking about a different plant real quick than the oh. one that uh, my story is actually about, just real fast. Um, okay. The, up until like this year, last year, in the recent history, um, 
we had thought that the largest plant on the planet uh, was a, qua- a stand of quaking aspen called Pando, which is in Utah. It covers about 106 acres, which is 43 hectares, something like that, if I'm doing my math right in my head. Um, and these are all clonal trees. If you've ever seen a quaking aspen, uh, you can tell they're aspen because of the way that they are. <laughs> and uh, they're all connected through the roots. And if you go out and sample the the genetics of them, if you gene sequence some of them, uh, they're they're the same tree. They are the same tree. And it's thought that this stand of aspen has been there anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand years. We don't really know. Uh, kind of at the end of the last ice age, it you know it's it's really cool. Um, but it's been shrinking a little bit thanks to climate change. Thanks thanks climate change. Uh, and you know some of the conservation of it. Um, is really in question, like how how long are we going to have this really amazing, incredible, unique um, sort of organism, specimen or group of specimens? But Pando uh, has recently been usurped as the um, largest continuous plant on the planet. So in Shark Bay uh, in Australia, uh, it is a World Heritage Area. It is very biologically diverse, and um, there are lots of aquatic marine animals that feed on the seagrass called Poseidon's Ribbonweed. Poseidon's Ribbonweed. Uh, Posidonia australis. Uh, and it's really, it's kind of this fun plant there. If you think of like a seagrass, grass in the water, it, like, I don't know how else to describe it, but they have little blue tips on them. They're really cool. A lot of different animals eat them. So they started taking samples from from this grass across the bay, trying to figure out, uh, for one, it's very resilient. It is has been very resistant to change as the climate changes. You know, we talk a lot about how coral is struggling, different plant species are struggling, but this one has been relatively unchanged. Uh, it grows quickly. There's lots of it out there, and it's pretty tough. So what they found out as they started um, sampling and taking gene markers and and really looking at this across the bay is it's all one plant. It's just like Pando. It's cloning itself uh, through these underwater roots, um, and it covers and stretches 180 kilometers, which is about 112 miles through this bay. So it's like on orders of magnitude larger than Pando. Wow. Wow. Um, that's huge. And it's thought it's incredible. And it's thought that this same um, sort of, I don't know what they're going to call it, group. It's not a, a stand is kind of specific to Aspen, but we're going to go with it. Um, has been cloning itself for about 4,500 years. Um, so it is a long time, you know, hanging out in, in the ocean, feeding lots of different wildlife. Uh, but yeah, all genetically identical across this whole bay. One of the reasons and one of the things they found is they started to really look into this and they're trying to figure out, okay, why is this so resilient, so resistant to change and all this? They found that it was a polyploid plant. The the, the chromosomes are polyploid, which means that um, at some point, you know, plants breed just like most other organisms where you have uh, genetics from one parent and from a second parent and they cross and you get sort of the same number of chromosomes because you get 50% of the, the DNA from each parent. Uh, polyploidy happens in plants a lot where sometimes you'll get 100% of the DNA from both parents. So it has more chromosomes than it's supposed to, right? Um, so it's sterile, which means that it had to find a new survival strategy. So it started cloning itself. Plants are really adaptable. Any single cell of a plant can completely reproduce that plant. Uh, again, uh, it has the entire genome in every cell of the plant, which is just incredible. Uh, you know, we are highly differentiated. And if I take my arm and throw it outside, we don't get another <laughs> silly podcast host. But if I was a plant, <laughs> we could make another me. I'm Unleash me on the world. Hooray. Uh, but they think that because of this massive genome, this massive uh, sort of DNA bank that this plant has, um, it's expressing sort of all of it at the same time and taking some of the best traits from both parents. And instead of being crapshoot of, are we going to get good traits? Or are we going to have, you know, hybrid vigor, all this? It's just like, no, I'm just going to do it all. I've got all the things. So it's uh, tolerating warmer waters. It's tolerating current changes. It's tolerating increased herbivory from some uh, different animals. 
And in studying this, we might find some clues as to how to help preserve other clonal species of plants and other uh, species of plants just in general um, to make them more resistant to climate change. And it's just such a fascinating thing to me. Mm, that's really cool. That's like, yeah, it's, it's something that I feel like at the time I heard a lot about and it was just like the most bizarre, interesting, strange, because I don't know about everybody else, but as somebody who like, as I'm more an animal person, whenever I hear about plants doing stuff like that, I'm like, oh, we're just so far behind. <laughs> like, yeah, if they could right? just grow faster, we're doomed. <laughs> like if they if they figure out how to grow faster, we're we're done for because it's like so so amazing. And like, yeah, I feel if like those plants could read. They'd be very upset <laughs> <laughs> if they could podcast. If you could podcast under the sea, disaster. <laughs> oh no! That's... Oh God, they're growing thumbs. We're in oh, trouble. No. It's all over for us. Uh, I had yeah. I had a question. Um, because you mentioned that you know this is all one big organism, but a lot of that is like the regeneration of parts of organism of the organism mm -hmm. over time. Are we getting into ship of Theseus territory? You, you know, it's interesting. I was <laughs> as I was reading this article, and as I was, I've, I think about this a lot. This kind of thing a lot is like, what does it mean to? Because you know, if we think about Pando, there was at some point some mother tree in the middle of this giant, you know, massive organism that is probably long since gone. You know, 15,000 years is a long time. And so it's it's long since gone and all the progenitors of this whole like stand are gone. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know. At what point is it not the same plant? But if it's, you know, you replace parts. But when we talk about cloning, we're kind of not replacing parts with different parts that are similar. It's like we're replacing parts with the same parts. Mm. They're just new same parts and it's it's very complicated yeah. i would think that uh i i kind of think that at some point like we like we know what they're we know what the genetics are now um but if we were to go back 4500 years what does that genetic drift look like right how many tiny little changes because you know the uh plants clone themselves well but not perfectly and at some point you do introduce new genetic changes and like how much of this plant is the exact same plant or what, you know, new nails or new screws did it put in to help it resist climate change and things like that. And, and, uh, I, I that, that is a fascinating question that I wish I had a better <laughs> answer to. I have another question, Vikram. So <laughs> is this the only place in the world that this plant exists? You know, that is a good question. I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, I believe that it is mainly endemic to this issue, I think, uh, to this area. Uh, and someone listening can probably answer this better. Um, but I believe that there are similar species and similar, like, subspecies and land races and stuff of this plant that grow in different places. But this is sort of the main place we find this one particular species. So it's possible that this one organism makes up its entire species the entire it may be the only That's one wild. especially again since they're polyploid and they're sterile they're not outcrossing with anything anymore <sighs> they're not making wow. new like drastically new genetics all the changes are small so it could be that this is the only member of its species i i did a little googling i'm sorry i had my phone out <laughs> <laughs> and according to wikipedia Wikipedia says that the species is found in waters around the southern coast of Australia, and that does occur okay. in Shark Bay, but also around islands of the Houtman Abrolhos and southward along the coast of the Swan Coastal Plain. So I think okay. it does occur in other areas also. This is just okay. a real big one. A real big one. Well, real and it would be one. cool to... You know, it since since I have all the funding in the world and I can go to Australia and <laughs> harvest sea plants, I would love to see a comparison of this giant clonal uh, uh, stand to some of these other populations oh, yeah. to see if how different yeah. they are. Yeah, that'd be could cool. be the same one. I know, a, I know a botanist I need to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I. I, I'm first of all, I'm so glad I have podcasters here because I am like, oh, you're doing the questions for me. I love this. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, this is great. Um, no, that's fantastic. And like, so interesting. I'm so glad I watched WandaVision because I knew the Ship of Theseus reference. I was like, <laughs> yes. Um, it comes, it, and once you know it, it yeah. comes up a shocking amount. I thought about um, it every day of my life. 
Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, listeners, if you don't know what that is, go and watch WandaVision. It's worth it. Not just for that, obviously. Great show. <laughs> um, no, that's fantastic and really interesting. And it because yeah, and there's something about these seagrasses and undersea plants that I feel like on an underappreciated conservation show, like mm-hmm. are so perfect because people like I was reading about them earlier this year and like how they are basically not just fantastic for all of the species that live in them that eat them for example like the sea turtles and various other animals i think ellen when you were on we talked about um manatees eat yeah. a lot of the sea grasses and things um it. so yeah so it's important for them it's important for the animals which and the crustaceans and all these tiny little bits of sea life that lay their eggs within them kind of have these little habitats within the grasses and under sea kind of plants and then also as a carbon sink Mm-hmm. seagrass i think swallows more than the amazon i want to say mm. is actually like and people don't think about it because they can't see it once it's under the waves it's like oh it's not in our immediate like sight of vision so we kind of line of vision so we forget that it's there but it is such an interesting amazing important thing and I, yeah excellent excellent choice it's also important um, for oxygenating the water as anybody who's ever mm-hmm. had a fish tank knows having plants in your water is really important for getting enough oxygen in the water for your fish mm yeah yeah that's uh i love that i like yeah i'm now thinking back to i had fish through many times throughout my life but i have now given up because every time i don't know what i did but they would just reproduce excessively to oh, the point where like i would that. have like i just I, yeah but they're like, just like that <laughs> in the number of times you'd go please just give me two boys or two girls i'm like please like, <laughs> like i can't i can't do this anymore like i can't like end up with a hundred fish in a tank like please stop so um, i have i have the opposite problem i have murdered every fish i have ever had <laughs> like my picture's up in the fish post office like, like have you seen not. this man <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, no, I, oh my god, I, you're like Darla from Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Just like shaking the bag. Bikram. <laughs> uh, I love that. I like. Well, no, I don't love that. No, I don't love that. I love. <laughs> what exactly Cancel. do you love about fish murder, Jack? Jack I is worked over. in a. I worked in an aquarium for many years, I'll have you know. I gave up much of my life. I almost cried earlier this year when I was at a keynote speech by Julie Packard from the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Mm. Almost cried. So I will not take any anti-fish <laughs> labels on me. Um, no, that's no, that's another a really, really interesting one. And I was gonna like I was gonna come back to the other two to be like, do you have follow-ups? But you did all the like heavy lifting for me. Very and bad. I love it. It's great because Professionals, I have found baby. myself. Well, it's fantastic because I find myself throughout this being like tuning out, not tuning out of like listing, but tuning out of the fact I have to respond because I'm like, (laughs) all my favorite podcasters are here. Like, oh, I'm just listening to a podcast. That's like, oh, wait, no, no. They need me to actually hold this together and ask them questions. Um, (laughs) We're going to start interviewing you. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, but... um, Fantastic. Another fantastic one. I remember reading about the time, thinking it was amazing. Science is weird. Plants are weird. Underappreciated things. Guys, go and look at plants, not just animals, because they are doing the weirdest stuff of all. Um, And yeah, I love it. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Vikram, the pressure is off you. You can sit back and now enjoy. Last but not least. (laughs) Uh, I say last but not least, but I somehow feel last and definitely not least, because it could be the longest of... (laughs) All of the responses we have had. I'm going to try so hard to keep this. (laughs) If y'all just don't say anything to me while I'm getting through this story, we'll be all right. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, Ellen, it's over to you. Thank you. Please take it away. Everybody get comfy. I am so sorry, (laughs) but I am going to be a Grinch. (laughs) Because we all talked for so long, we're going to end today's episode here. I swear we didn't mean to be the relatives who, like, talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, even after all of the food and drinks and celebrations were done and refused to leave. But that was fully the energy we were giving, that we wanted to stick around for as long as possible. (laughs) So we talked for so long, I'm I'm just, I'm going to have to end it here. I'm sorry, guys. Do not worry, though, (laughs) because next week, Ellen, Vikram and Ashley will, of course, be back to continue our amazing, wonderful, silly, stupid, fun holiday celebration.
<laughs> Until then, why not check out one of their podcasts, which I've put links to in the description for this episode. Follow us on social media at Pangolin Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere you can get social media from where they are. Or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss out when this chaotic Christmas train gets back on the tracks next week. (laughs) Plus, if you really like us, you could even leave us a nice festive five-star review if you're so kind. If you are, we would love you very much. It would be a Christmas gift, a Christmas card from you to me, and I would appreciate it so, 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 so much. But... I hate to say it because we were having such a good time. That's all for today. I'm sorry. (laughs) So thank you all so much for joining us. You're absolutely fantastic. I hope you're having a wonderful festive holiday season. And until next time, happy holidays, everyone. (laughs) You're a mean one, Mr. Jack. I'm sorry. They'll be back next week. Bye.